0: you've not given us a spirit of fear, a spirit of bondage, but Lord, your spirit in us cries out, Abba, Father. We thank you that we are your children. We thank you that your affection and your love is unconditional towards us. There's no conditions on it. Just keeps coming at us, just keeps bathing us and washing us and doing everything that we need Lord we just want to thank you for this amazing grace that's done such a wonderful working in us we once was lost but now we're found we were blind but now we see this amazing beautiful love Lord we know that you never leave us, you never forsake us even when we feel alone, when we feel forsaken, somehow you just again reassure us. And today, right now, some may be here feeling forsaken, may feel lost and alone, abandoned. Lord, I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you just come again and reassure Of your nearness, bring your peace where there's fear. Bring wholeness where there's brokenness. Lord, we pray for beauty instead of ashes. We've all had ashes in our lives. We've all been burned by life. We've all suffered loss in life. But Lord, we just pray right now. If any among us are heavy and weary, I pray that they would hear your invitation again. Come to me. Come to me. You're weighed down by life. You're heavy in mind with all of those thoughts that are beating you up. Come to me, Jesus says. What an invitation. (laughs) What an invitation. It's great when you get an invite from your friend, from your family, from your, your colleagues. It's great when they invite you and they want to help you with personal things in your life. But you know what? There's nothing like an invitation from Jesus, and that's the invitation that he gives to every single one of us. We get burdened, we carry weight, whether it be mental or physical. Life, weight, life, burdens. Come to me, come to me. Lord, we come. Yeah, 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 we come right now. We enter right now. We want to lay down our burdens. You said you would give us rest, rest. Rest instead of fear. Rest instead of depression. That depression, let it go now in Jesus' name. We speak to it in the name of Jesus. The name above all names. We ask you, Holy Spirit. In this atmosphere where we agree that your name is above every name, in this atmosphere where we as your family, as your children, believe your word, we agree for those among us who are struggling with depression, we pray that you would break it right now, Holy Spirit, and that spirit of heaviness would leave their life. You just do it like that, Lord. Just do it in the way that you do it. Jesus, just do it, Lord. Just do it right now. Take the fear. Take the fear away from people. The guilt away. The condemnation. All of the stuff that we battle with. Just do it, Jesus, we pray. And all the people of God said, let's finalize it. When we say amen, it's finalized in the name of Jesus. We've got power over problems, over life issues. When we say amen, are you ready to say amen? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Come on, let's give Jesus another shout. Fantastic. You can be seated. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, this morning we're going to continue with what we've been looking at in relation to Joseph's life and just draw some some things out of that for encouragement for our own lives. And um, we've looked over over the weeks about from the beginning, really, where Joseph, in, in Genesis chapter 37, we get introduced to him. He gets this incredible dream as a young man, and um, he tells it to his family. Of course, he gets rejected, and uh, they never believe that what he's talking about is ever going to transpire. They just believe that it's overinflated. They don't believe that it's got any substance to it. But the Bible tells us in Hebrews that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And this young man had a, a very sort of rocky beginning, but he had faith in his heart. He believed what God had spoken to him in the midnight hour in his room in the comforts of his own father's house. He believed it. God had spoken to him. God had given him two dreams in fact where he saw wonderful things, things that talked about his future. He was going to be powerful in his future. He was going to be influential. He was going to have have great prosperity and great wisdom. And the dream, the curtain was pulled back in that dream that he saw. And what he saw was incredible down the corridor of time. And it was so, so wonderfully colorful. And the moment that God spoke that to him, Joseph's faith came alive within him. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. He had an evidence of things that were not yet seen, not yet present in his life. And he believed them wholeheartedly to the point that he began to speak about them. Couldn't hold it back. Young kid, so excited by what he had seen, it just spilled out of him to everyone that he met, to his brothers, to his mum and dad, and he was speaking all of these wonderful things. Of course, they didn't share the same faith that Joseph had in his heart. And sometimes God can speak to you about things, and he can tell you about matters in the future. He can tell you about uh, things that you're going to walk into in your life. And immediately there's a faith that's ignited. There's a faith that comes alive within you. And there's an evidence of what has been spoken. It's living in you. It may not have transpired before you physically yet. But somehow it's alive and burning within you because the faith that God has given you to correspond with the word that he's spoken to you has made it real. And it's only a matter of time before it begins to happen, before it begins to come about. But there are people, even in your own family, that may find your words to be foreign to them. They may meet your dream and the plans that God has for you with objection. And not only that, life itself may be your greatest opponent, Life itself and the challenges that come to you successively may come to contradict the dream and the plan and the purposes that God has for you. If that's the case, don't throw the towel in. Having stood, remain standing whether the dream is is to do something in, in church, whether the dream is to achieve something in your workplace, whether the dream is to, you know, start something that you've never done before. Hold on to the dream in spite of all of the opposition, in spite of all of the knockbacks, in spite of all of the setbacks. We said over the weeks, you know, we should begin to give thanks to God for the problems that we face, the crises that we go through, because these things have a way of shaping us and making us and enabling us to ultimately enter what God has destined us to enter. This was the case for this young man. It really was. You know, I've used this illustration before, but I, I think it's appropriate here. In Romans chapter 12, Paul says, don't be conformed to this world's way of thinking, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Have a mind change in relation to life. Have a mind change in relation to the problems and the crises and the challenges that you face every day. Have a mind change, he says. Don't think like the world thinks. You know, your life is on the way down. It may be tough. It may be difficult. Crisis after crisis may be queuing up to get at you, which is not an exciting prospect. But Paul says, think about things differently. Don't think about them as the world thinks about them. Think about them in relation to how God thinks about them. God, in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, through the Apostle Paul says, we know that all things work together for good to those that love God, to those who who are called according to His purpose. God is working things together for your good. It may not look good. It may look worse than ever. But I'm telling you, by the time that God is finished doing what He specializes in it's going to look wonderful it's going to look beautiful and it's going to look really good even at, even if at this moment it looks really bad he says have, have a mind change look at life through the lens that God looks at it he works all things together for good there's another verse in in Romans I believe it is where it says that God works all things together after the counsel of his will. Circumstance, chance, and coincidence may be the way of the world, but they're not the way of the kingdom. God works all things together after the counsel of his will. He has a will and an intention and a purpose for your life. And Life may be contradicting it. Circumstances may be challenging it, but I'm telling you something now. When life comes up against the will and the intention of God, life is going to lose, and God's will is going to prevail. It really is. When we begin to change our mind, when we begin to rethink how we think about life and the challenges and the circumstances that we face, Paul says, something wonderful happens. He, he, he uses this Greek word metamorphosis, change. And that's a process that we see happening in a little caterpillar's life when he, when he goes into a chrysalis and then suddenly he emerges into a beautiful butterfly. There's a complete transformation of the little grub that crawls in the dust. Doesn't look as if it's ever going to fly. Doesn't look as if it's ever going to be colorful. Doesn't look as if it's got any other destiny than being attached to the ground. And then suddenly it goes into a chrysalis, a period of time where the whole being of that little caterpillar undergoes a metamorphosis, a change. Everything shuts down. Everything becomes enclosed. Movement stops. Progress stops, it seems. But then suddenly, the beautiful butterfly emerges and begins to fly gracefully, and you're left there. I mean, we went to this, this, this place once in Leeds where, I don't know what you call it, but it, there was all of these butterflies in this, like, big greenhouse, and they, they took you through all of the different steps of the little caterpillar turning into a wonderful, graceful butterfly. You never think that that little grubby thing crawling on the floor is ever destined for something amazing, something wonderful, something glorious. And Paul says, listen, listen, you're not just here to just walk through crisis after crisis after crisis. You're not just here just to, you know, get a grubby little existence. No, something's happening to you. God's at work. God's changing you. God's maneuvering things. God's orchestrating things. And before you know it, you go into that chrysalis state, and then you emerge as this wonderful, wonderful butterfly reigning and soaring in life over the things that once dominated you, over the things that once ruled you, over the things that, that once characterizes, characterized you, that you sought to get power over, that you sought to get victory over. And it was such a struggle. You were crawling, you were earthbound, but suddenly the power of Jesus comes into your spirit and it filters up into your mind and your mind begins to change about things and your perspective opens and there's color and there's beauty and you're no longer a slave. You're no longer, you know, just being whipped by life and defeated. You're no longer, you know, just just constantly bound by aff- uh, uh, afflictions and addictions. Now you're reigning in life. You're conquering. You're more than a conqueror. And the power's not yours. The power is the power of Jesus Christ living in you by his spirit and you're flying and you're, you're amazed you're thinking my God I should be down there but I'm up here I should be defeated again but I'm overcoming I'm more than a conqueror what's going on here and there's wonder and there's awe in your mind and in your experience and you're saying I used to be you know bound to this I used to be addicted to that but now suddenly there's, it, it's not touching me the life Of the Christian is a miraculous life, Dave, isn't it? Completely miraculous. And it should leave us astounded. It should leave us absolutely flabbergasted, awestruck. Jesus, I never thought I could get through that. I never thought I could beat that. I never thought that I had a future in that area. And suddenly that power is alive within you. That's what Paul is talking about, the renewed mind the renewed mind looking at every challenge, looking at every crisis, looking at every event in life and moving forward and moving through. I tell you now that that man, as you well know, went through terrific, terrific challenges, terrific opposition. And yet through that chapter, he says, what should we say concerning these things? My God, I tell you what I would say. Oh my God, run for cover that's what i'd say not the apostle he says what should we say concerning all these things and he lists a huge massive list of just obstacle after obstacle and pressure after pressure he said i'll tell you what we say to these things that are coming towards us these things that are surrounding us these things that are pressing upon us i'll tell you what we'll say to it in light of Knowing that God works all things together for his good to those that love him and who are called according to his purpose. I'll tell you what we say to things. If God is for us, who can be against us? I tell you now, that's an unbreakable spirit. That's an unbreakable resolve. You can throw anything at that and you're never ever going to put it under your heel. Why? Because the spirit of Jesus was living in that man. He really was. God works all things together for good to those that love him and to those who are called according to his purpose. Do you know, things don't just work out. Life is full of conflicts. Let me tell you, you go out into the world and things don't just work out for good. I'll tell you that now. You will see crisis. You will see uh, uh, terrific uh, sadness and pain. You will see all kinds of, of destruction. Things don't just work out. Life is designed to work against you. Life itself is designed to bring you down. But to the person that loves God, to the person that puts their trust in Jesus, to the person that has decided that, like Faith said, doesn't have a perfect life far from it, but to the person that believes and, and, and walks with Jesus every day. To that person, life will be molded, life will be crafted, life will be taken by the scruff of the neck, the good things, the ugly things, the the, the bad things, the terrific things, and God will take each ingredient and He will work it. And it will not work out for the worse. It will work out for the good for you because you're a Christ follower. You're a Jesus lover. I'm telling you. And that's why, that's why things work out for us, not because we're good, not because we can make things happen, but because there's, his power is at work. His power is at work. You know, recently I listened to um, an interview with Oral Roberts. My brother said, hey, have you listened to that interview with Oral Roberts and Benny Hinn? So I checked it out on YouTube and Benny Hinn was interviewing the great evangelist, Oral Roberts. You may not know his name, but he was an incredible preacher, an incredible evangelist, and he built a university in, uh, what is it, Tulsa. Did incredible things all around the world. And uh, Benny Hinn asked him this question. He said, well, how did it all begin, Mr. Roberts? And he looked at him and smiled and said, well, it all began with a bang. And he said, what do you mean it began with a bang? He said, well, he said, you know, he said, I was just a little evangelist. Nobody knew me. He said, I had a little tent. I just wanted to serve Jesus and tell everybody how Jesus had healed me of tuberculosis. He said, you know, he said, I was just like a million other preachers, a million other evangelists. There was nothing special about me. I just had a small tent. And one night, early on in, in my ministry, he said, there was about 200 people I was speaking to and just telling them about God's grace and God's love. And he said, a man walked up to the stage. Don't get any ideas. He said, he walked up to the stage, pulled a gun out. And at point-blank range, fired two bullets at my head. He said, "It was impossible for the bullets to miss, but miss, they did." He said that one went to the left, one went to the right, and they went and, and afterwards he said, "We looked." and he said, "There were two bullet holes in the tent." He said, "But not in my head." The man runs out. Oral Roberts carries on preaching. He's going nowhere. Why? Because like Faye said, he's the God who re- redeems our life from destruction. And sometimes he doesn't, lead, uh, you know, deliver our life from destruction. As in the case of John the Baptist, he got his head taken off for the glory of God. So whether your head gets taken off or whether your head stays on your shoulders, God's glorified. Okay? Sometimes he does it though. And in the case of all of Roberts, he did it. He protected him. Oral Roberts wakes up the next morning, and suddenly, his name has gone nationwide. The the phone won't stop ringing as as ministry appointment after ministry appointment comes flooding into his life. And he's just a little evangelist. He's just a man with a little tent, with no big aspiration, with no big real vision, but God had put a dream in his heart and a man stood at the front of his, of his, of his stage, tried to, tried to take him out before his time. And suddenly now, everything's changed and God uses an evil event to establish good. God can do that. God can do that. God can use the most, the most negative thing in your life. Listen to me carefully. He can use the most negative thing in your life. And turn it for good. He's got the power and the wisdom and the know-how how how to do that. He really has. You you are at the end of your tether. You 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 can't you know uh, understand the why you're going through what you're going through. You can't understand what's happened to you, and it seems so unfair. And it is unfair, without a doubt. But I'm telling you now, God can take evil. God does not God does not author evil. God does not. Or for sin at all, but he can take evil and turn it to good. Oral Roberts said to Benny Hinn, he said this. He said, since that moment, he said, my diary has always been full and I have never ever been able to fulfill all of the calls and all of the obligations on my life as a result of what that man tried to do incredible. God can take evil and turn it, turn it for good. This is the story. It's the story of Joseph's life. His brothers conspired against him. His brothers turned on him. His brothers had an evil plan to bring him down, to take him out, to destroy the dream that that flowed so freely out of his heart. They were intent on destroying this young man. But his story is, and his life is all about how God took evil and turned it, turned it for good. Do you know, I remember my mum saying to me one day, that the Holy Spirit had spoken to her. And I want to I say this to you. Today, you may be here, and you may be really struggling with something hey, hands up, we've all, you know, I may be having a good day this week, today, but I can tell you about many things in my life where I've been having a bad day, when I've been having a bad day in church, when I've just been having a bad day, full stop, because we're just people, we're just people, we're human beings, and things happen, it's great to have good days, we want more good days than bad days, but sometimes it's really tough, and I remember my mom coming to me one day, and uh, she'd, she'd spoken to God. And it's great, you know, with Jesus because you can just be honest. You can just tell him how things are. And she'd gone to Jesus and she said, Jesus, my life is a disaster. My life, she looked back on her life. She'd look back on some of the stuff that she had gone through in, in her life. And she just arrived at this conclusion. Lord, my life is a disaster. Do you know what the Holy Spirit said to her? And she said, Dave, she said, believe me, I can't think this stuff up. She said, Dave, the she said, as soon as those words left my lips, my life is a disaster. The Holy Spirit just came back at her and said, disaster with you is destiny with me. You see? Today, you may look at your life and you may look at all of this stuff that's gone on and you think, my God, my life is a disaster. I'll never get through that. I'll never get over that. No. Patiently wait. Patiently allow God to work it out for you. He'll work it. You've got to be patient. You've got to give it a bit of time. You've got to walk with Him. It's not going to be easy. No. When these things get worked and and brought together, it's not going to be easy, but it will work out for your good. And that disaster of a life will become a destiny that glorifies God, where you will use all of the incidents of your past to bless and relate to others. Last week, I spoke to you. We looked at how Suddenly, Joseph was taken from the prison, put into the palace, and he's diffusing all of this wisdom, interpreting, interpreting part of, um, uh, Pharaoh's dream and just, just explaining how to manage what was going to happen. Seven years of, of blessing were going to be followed by seven years of famine. Joseph is prepared for the moment. It had taken 13 years. He'd had a promise at 17, but there was a process of 13 years to get into the promise that God had showed him when he was a young kid in his dad's house. Now he's standing before Pharaoh with 13 years of preparation. Bible says it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. You may be believing for a promise it's not microwavable, friends. We gotta walk through life. We get tested. We, you know, weight and pressure comes on us in different forms. All all manner of things happen. But if we will not only just believe in faith that the promise is ours, but walk patiently to apprehend the promise, it will become ours. And Joseph stands before Pharaoh after 13 years of hard process, and he begins to interpret. His dream. We looked at that a little. Pharaoh comments. He says, "This is an incredible man. There's nobody like him for his wisdom. His spirit is is amazing. He looks at this young man and he hears him and and he just sees something magnificent." We talked about how God is working in us, a masterpiece, a master picture, Ephesians 2.11. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We are God's masterpiece. And that was for Joseph too. He stood before Pharaoh and he began to just administer things and manage things. And then after the seven years, just as Pharaoh's dream had informed him, there would be seven years of famine. Joseph goes into the seven years of famine. So now, he's been in Egypt for 20 years. 20 years outside of dad's house. 20 years operating in his calling. 20 years operating with great influence, great position. You know, everything's working for this young man. 20 years away from dad's house, those days are long gone, long gone in his mind until you come to Genesis 42. Genesis 42. Joseph is just about his daily business. He's the second in command in Egypt. It's a normal day for Joseph doing business the hustle and the bustle of people coming to get food and to get provisions and to trade with Joseph. There's thousands of people, just a normal day, just like any other day, transactions are are being handled. Joseph is administering things. Things are tight now in the nation because there's a famine and suddenly his brothers show up. Just a normal day, just a normal day, 20 years later, after receiving a dream in his father's house that he'd been ridiculed for. 20-year price tag on the dream. 20 years had gone by, and suddenly his brothers turn up. And do you know what they do? They don't recognize their brother Joseph because now he's in everything that he had spoken about as a young youth. They don't recognize what faith had done. They, don't, they didn't understand that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of unseen things. They had not been privy to those unseen things that had come into Joseph's spirit. Now Joseph is in the position. He is uh, not just in the invisible realm. It's become a very physical realm, and they don't recognize God. Joseph. Because he's not just a young youth spouting out some stuff now. He's a man with wisdom and authority and influence. And do you know what his brothers do? They bow down on the floor. They bow down before him. Just like the kid had seen in the bedroom. Just like the young lad had seen when he said, Yes, my life is going to be different. Yes, I'm not normal. Yes, I say yes to everything that you put in inside my heart. They bow down before him. And in Genesis 42, as his ten brothers are on the floor, it says this. And he remembered the dream. He'd remembered the dream. It says to me that when you go through life and it hits you from left to right, when you go from being the great kid on the block, the rising star, to becoming the falling star, when you go through life, it's easy for the dream to get buried. It's easy for the dream to die. It's easy for your mind to go towards other things, for your mind to not hold on to the things that have been spoken to you, and suddenly you're just moving with life down the course of life, not knowing that God is sovereignly arranging things. His ten brothers are on the floor, and he remembers the dream. Now, for the next while, he's going to test them, For the next while, he's going to see what's happened in their hearts. As a wise man, he doesn't just, you know, reveal himself and embrace them. He wants to bring them in slowly. His intention is to completely restore everything that's formerly been broken down. He's he's already named his two two children after the, the traits of his character. God has caused me to forget I'll call my child a frame. God has called me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. I'll call my second son Manasseh. God had worked something wonderful in Joseph, a forgiving heart, a forgiving spirit, whereby he could even receive his own brothers who hated him and tried to murder him, but he's taken them on a journey. And through the next eight chapters, We see wonderful restoration. We see wonderful forgiveness. We see wonderful reunion as Joseph receives them and as he brings his whole family down, his father Jacob finally sees him. They live in the land of Goshen. It's it's an incredible, incredible end in his latter years. Then we come. To chapter 50. 17 years had already passed, okay? After Joseph had been reunited with his brothers who hated him, after he'd been reunited with his father, they're living in Goshen, a part of Egypt. 17 years now had been passed, had passed. 17 years his brothers and his father and their family had been provided for and kept for by Joseph. He'd looked after them and everything was great. Then Jacob dies. And again, there's turmoil in the family. His brothers begin now to question again, 17 years on, okay, whether Joseph really did forgive them. Now their father had gone. Now Jacob had left. Does Joseph really, really care for us? Or is he going to kill us? Is he going to be vengeful towards us? Is he going to repay us evil for the evil that we did? And suddenly Joseph, knowing this, comes out in the open with a heart attitude towards the past, a heart attitude towards the present, and a heart attitude that caps off his entire vision an understanding of life. He says this in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. But as for you, talking to his brothers, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is this day, to save many people alive. What you meant for evil, boys, God meant for good. The Hebrew word there, the the, the Hebrew thought in it was that they weaved their evil plan, but God weaved his plan into what they were weaving so that their evil brought Joseph into everything that God had destined him to be and destined him to do. God can do that. The things in our lives that cause us most pain. The things in life that challenge us the most. The things in life that we think will never change. Yes, they will. Yes, they will. Those things that we would see as evil. Those choices that we've made that we think that we're hounded by. That we can't ever separate ourselves from. Those things in the hand of God can bring about His glory and bring about His good. Just like it was for Joseph. I remember hearing the story of a businessman. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We're going to close here. I remember hearing the story of a businessman. Breaking the dream. Breaking the aspiration. Breaking and contradicting everything that he wanted to do. And he sat in a meeting just like this, completely bankrupt. Somebody got up, started speaking about giving. And he's there just completely wrecked, as you would be. Lost lots of money because he plowed it into what he wanted to do. He felt that he let people down. He felt that things hadn't turned right. It seemed as if evil was prevailing. It it seemed as if evil had him cornered and there was no way out, no way through. So he's listening there to his own inner voice condemning him and he's listening to the voice of the person speaking about giving. And he has a talk with God. He says, God, there's no way that I can give. There's no way in this situation, that that I can be a blessing? And the Holy Spirit just quietly and gently said to him, he said, well, what have you got in your pocket? He said, well, I got my last 10 pound. I'll take that, the Holy Spirit said. What? I'll take that. Are you serious, God? Are you serious? That you would take my last 10 pounds. And he has this debate with God. He has this argument with God. Evil's prevailing. It doesn't seem as if anything good is going to happen. The last thing he wanted to do was give his last 10 pounds. He wanted to hold on to the last bit of good he had. 10 pounds. God says, come on. You can do this. Puts his last 10 pounds in the offering. Walks out. But now, he's got peace in his heart. And as he walks through the weeks and the months ahead, suddenly there's another power working with him. There's another power prevailing. There's another presence opening doors that were formerly shut. There's, there's things happening that he can't put together and piece together. And his steps are being ordered until success after success is occurring God had ridden the back of evil and brought good out of it when this man obeyed simply and faithfully to the voice of God and he went on to be a multi now this ain't across the water this is in Cardiff a multi-millionaire a multi-millionaire financing many projects in God's kingdom throughout the world because God had taken what was evil and used it for this person's good. And the man never forgot the moment where God asked him to give in the smallest way. It's all over the Bible. Jesus said, be faithful with small things. You will be master of much. Jesus wasn't asking him to be faithful when he was successful. He was asking him to be faithful when he was a complete, utter failure. Joseph was a failure when life looked at him, but he was faithful. He was a faithful failure when he was thrown in that pit. He was a faithful failure in that slave market. He was a faithful failure in Potiphar's house when he was accused of rape. He was a faithful failure in prison, faithful in small things. Suddenly, he becomes master of much. And to cap off his life, He makes this wonderful statement that not only shows his attitude towards the past and the present, but it actually opens up the wonderful character of God's sovereignty. He says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. He's doing more behind our back, my friends, than in front of our faces. Let's stand right now. We're going to pray before we go Lord we thank you today that you work all things together after the counsel of your will we thank you that all things work together for good to those that love God to those that are called according to his purpose today there may be some things in our lives that we're really having a tough time overcoming there may be things in our lives that we are really struggling with. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, as I've spoken today, would you take that word and encourage those who feel discouraged. Lord, would you encourage those and help those that feel weak because in their weakness, I pray that you would come with your strength. Lord, I pray that the sufficiency of your grace that Joseph knew, that Joseph experienced through all of the trials of life, Lord, I pray that that same sufficiency of grace would be over every one of our lives so that we would also be able to say what has been meant for evil has actually turned out for our good. I pray for your people right now thank you that you say to us, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing, but with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.